Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Well, this is a very fun topic for all of you parents out there who have children that throw tantrums. And that is really most of us or so many of us. Now, some of these tantrums tend to come and go. Some of them sort of wane away by the time the kids are like four or you hope that they do. And sometimes they hang on just a little bit longer. So what are you supposed to do if the tantrum is at home or in public or at school or at a restaurant? What are you supposed to do if your child is throwing these tantrums? My guess today, Dr. Naveen Marotra. He's a pediatrician and a spokesman for the American Academy of Pediatrics. Welcome to the show, Dr. Marotra. So tantrums, this is like every parent's worst nightmare. They, they, they don't know what to do. It stresses us out, gives us headaches. Parents fight because of it. What do you tell parents, your best advice about when your child throws this tantrum? Um, well, Melanie, thank you first uh, for having me on. And it is an extremely difficult and complicated situation for many parents to handle. Just because when a child is throwing that tantrum, the parents also lose it and they just don't know how to react. And most of us are usually pressed for time. So if the child throws a tantrum outside in a public environment or if you're in the middle of some sort of a task uh, that you have to finish, you really don't want to deal with it. And that even stresses you out even more. So first thing that you need to do is see where your environment is and can you actually handle the tantrum while the kid is there. And the first thing that you have to do is to ignore it. And that is the most difficult thing for a parent to do. Okay, so wait, because I want you to keep going with this strain of thought here. You're supposed to ignore them. Right. And that becomes an extremely difficult thing for a parent. Wow, like <laughs> no kidding. It's really <laughs> it's like, hard. How do you ignore your own child because then you feel like, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? What am I going to do? What if the child starts to hurt themselves? Or, you know, what if the, the surrounding environment, they, you know, your neighbors, your friends start looking at you like, you know, you're a terrible parent. But really what you have to do is to have to ignore that child. And only then will the tantrum start to die down. Really? Okay, so when I used to try and ignore, then I always shut the windows because I worried the neighbors could hear, you know, and that's always like you get so embarrassed thing they think you're, you know, beating your child, but really they're just laying on the floor screaming at the top of their lungs. So we're stressful, you know, we're freaked out, and we're supposed to just ignore them. And do what? For how long? Well, you, you want to try to ignore them and see if the tantrum dies down, and if it doesn't, then you may have to divert the attention of the child. So you have to remove them from the environment. So let's say you're out there shopping and all of a sudden the child wants something at the supermarket and and you say no. And the child starts to have a meltdown and, and screaming and hollering and saying, oh my God, I want this, I want this, I want this. But then you as a parent keep on saying no and it escalates into a huge argument. At that point, the child may start to behave uh, in many different ways. And you have to take that child from that environment and make sure he understands that you mean business. Most often what ends up happening is parents will say, you better stop, or if you don't do this, you're going to have this as a repercussion, but they never act on it. So you have to go ahead and ignore the child and let the child know that you mean business, that if you're saying something, the child has to follow. And if he's not following, you're going to go ahead and cut your trip short and get into the car and move on. 
And that is the most difficult thing for a parent to do. It is. It really is. So you can you can do that and you can say, if you don't stop crying or stop, you know, and but then whether you follow through or not, and then that anger seems to build because sometimes those children... Dr. Marotra, they, they, they want to test your limits, right? <laughs> they want to see if you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And then, and then as the whole tension and the volume of the house builds, I just, God, I just, you know, it's taking me also right back there, you know. And they can go from zero to 100 in like two seconds. So you, you're supposed to follow through. Now, what about physical contact? Because sometimes you want to remove so- that child from the space, but... You know, touching them can be iffy for both parties. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, the the child may have learned a behavior where they'll maybe start to engage in self-injurious behavior. They may start to break things. They may start to really act out because they know that's how they're going to get your attention. But you have to be strong, and you have to go ahead and just pick them up. They'll be thrashing around and put them in the car or, you know, the other approaches. You can give them a big hug and just try to get them to calm down. Or you try to talk to them, but most of the time, the talking just doesn't work. So taking them out of that environment and telling them about something else that they may want to do once they calm down. When they're in that situation of the tantrum, no matter what you say, it's probably not going to register. And the child's going to keep on screaming and hollering, and you're going to go ahead and start screaming and hollering, and everybody in the supermarket is going to be looking at you as if you're the worst parent on the face of this earth. <laughs> okay, so removing them from the situation. You know, right. you, you want it, You have this great night planned. You're going to take your kids to this little restaurant that you know, and it's so great because your little one's going to sit there like a little lady or a little boy and eat, and it's going to be so cute, and everyone's going to walk by your table and say how cute your kids are, and that all goes awry, and the kids start to throw a tantrum. Do you pick them up? and out the restaurant you go. You may have to. And, uh, you know, you may have to cut your evening short and get the child out of the environment. Let them calm down. Once they're calmed down outside and you've spoken to them and they're willing to come back in, you may want to retry, but most of the time it may not work. So I tell parents is if you're planning an evening, uh, which is supposed to be a big evening or any other event, try to set the rules beforehand. And try to bargain with the child and tell them that if this is something that you behave at, then you may get an incentive towards the end. But once again, you have to follow through. A lot of times what ends up happening is we make either false promises or false threats. So we'll say to a child, if you're doing this, you're not going to get this. But then we never follow through. So if you're a bad kid, you're not going to be able to watch TV for two hours. But then when they get home, they forget about it. Or if you are a good kid, you're going to get such and such a reward, but then they don't follow through with it. So the child knows that you're creating all this conversation, but you really don't mean it. And that is where our disciplining gets faltered. So I guess the question that parents often ask is positive or negative reinforcement. So when you're threatening, you are not going to get to watch TV, or you are not going to get to, or if you stop your tantrum, you'll get to do this, or you'll get to do that as a positive or negative doctor. It is, but during a tantrum, the majority of the time, the bulk of the time, you're not going to be able to rationalize. No. (laughs) So you have to go ahead and and do it beforehand. So if you're planning an evening and you want to make sure that the child behaves well, you can try to set all the ground rules beforehand. And if the child delivers on what you have promised, what they have promised, then you would go ahead and reward them. And once that sort of feedback builds in and the child is sure that you do mean business, they will probably follow through in the next few times. 
but it, it has to be done beforehand, not during a tantrum. There's no way that the child is going to rationalize during that time. Yeah, so that's another thing. Now, okay, so we've talked about the volume. We've talked about ignoring, removing the child, you know, following through on whether it's positive or negative. What about the parents themselves? Dealing with the parents. What do you tell parents, Dr. M, about, um, you know, taking a break, walking away, giving each other, you know, kind of switching off and saying, okay, she's yours for the next four minutes. I got to walk away. Yes, you do have to work as a team if both parents are in the situation. And if it is just one parent that's there, uh, then it becomes a lot more difficult because you have to stay composed and you have to make sure that you deliver on how to manage the tantrum. But if there are two parents and you just can't handle it, you walk away and you tell the other parent to say, you go ahead and deal with it. Um, but a lot of times the kids will also learn how to manipulate the parents. Not in a negative way, but they know that if they are asking for something and one parent says no and the other parent is going to say yes, they will go ahead and go to that other parent. They will gravitate towards that. But the job of the other parent is to say that, well, if the first parent said no, I am going to follow through with the same, with the same sort of reinforcement. So if mom says that you cannot have this, dad cannot go ahead and say, yes, you're going to have this. Yeah, you got to really, really be on the same page and give you yourself... You have to work as a team. You have to work as a team because, boy, those kids are smart and wily and they can figure, <laughs> they are, and they can figure out. So now, Dr. Marotra, give us the light at the end of the tunnel. Talk to parents about tantrums and do they go on until they're 16 or do they tend to stop these things? And when, when does it require a, a true visit to the pediatrician to see if there is a behavioral issue? So... Most the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that most of the kids will outgrow the tantrum phase. It can be four years, five years. Very rarely I've seen it go a little bit longer. But the majority of those kids will learn how to, in, you know, how to act in a certain environment and what you mean when you're trying to lay the ground rules. And if they understand that you do mean business, they will follow through. Now, if the tantrums are getting to be so out of control that the parents are losing sleep over it, they're just not able to control the tantrums, they're having a meltdown uh, as parents themselves, and they're being so stressed about doing any daily activity, then they really need to sit down and talk with a professional and help and ask for help from the professional to how to manage those tantrums. Sometimes when you're in that situation of the tantrum, it is extremely difficult and you forget everything. But it requires a lot of patience and being calm and seeing what works for you and your child. So not one statement is going to work like, okay, ignoring it is going to work for everybody. It may not. Hugs may work for somebody. Some It may not. So taking a deep breath in or breathing, you know, meditation, yoga might work for certain parents and certain parents it may not. So it is going to be a case-to-case situation. But what we do know is if you are uh, calm and composed, and you do ignore the tantrums, and as long as the child is learning from the tantrum, you will overcome this phase. So be positive, and there uh, is an end to this, and it is a normal phase of development that happens with most kids. 
very nice, uplifting, and hopeful ending, Dr. Marotra, because I'm telling you what, this is, it is definitely something that every parent dreads. You know, if they've got a child that throws lots of tantrums, then they sort of go, oh, what is today going to bring? Or only the nighttime tantrums, because then you start to dread the night times when your child is overtired or hungry. That's when those tantrums happen. So really great information. And thank you so much for being with us. You're listening to Healthy Children and our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics right here on RadioMD.com. Remember to go to iTunes and subscribe to us and then rate and review. That way like-minded people can get involved and all the parents can come together as a community and hear this great information from the gold standard American Academy of Pediatrics because these are their pediatrician and their spokesman. So we're bringing it to you so that you can all learn and we can all learn together. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening and stay well.